On today's episode, Josh and I are back to preview part one, two, and now three of our four-part series uh, previewing the NBA season coming up. Uh, we've already covered the Eastern Western Conference rankings in terms of regular season, and here we are now for playoff predictions and, of course, everyone's favorite. It's the most debatable, the most newsworthy award predictions. That's what you're here for. Next. Pointers podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. And we're back, like Trevor said this week, where kind of a hybrid episode. We're going to cover how we think the playoffs are going to go. You know, everyone's favorite part of the NBA season, the one that most people pay attention to, based on kind of where we had our standings at the end. And then we're going to talk about our end of year award predictions, which probably will be completely off the wall and it'll be great. Um, with that being said, we'll kind of go into the part that you probably have the most backstory on if you listen to parts one and two of this uh, 2021 season preview, which is playoff predictions. We're going to go into the Eastern Conference. Now, Trevor and I previewed, if you remember listening to the Eastern Conference uh, podcast, the teams that we thought would finish in the top eight to enter the playoffs, but we're kind of just going to flow in now to who we think is going to be the last four remaining in each conference and then how we think that's going to shape out uh, all the way up through the finals. But we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Trevor, if you want to lead us in, remind us of uh, who your eight playoffs teams were and lead us into what you think is going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, glad to be back. Favorite day of the week. Uh, just up front here, if you haven't already, just please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Two Pointers, TikTok at the Two Pointers Podcast. We posted today about a fantasy draft we did. We'll cover that next week, as well as on Facebook dot com slash the two pointers podcast once again three for three no mess ups all right and uh, here we are with the eastern conference teams uh, my eight were uh, i'm just going to say the sixers were at eight if you listen to episode one of eastern conference you know that i kind of boycotted the 76ers in my rankings but we're going to say for the example that i plopped them right in the middle at eight it was either them or the wizards there uh, eight i had the sixers seven i had the new york knicks uh six i had the charlotte hornets Five, I had the Chicago Bulls. Four, I had the Atlanta Hawks. Three, I had the Miami Heat. Two, I had the Milwaukee Bucks. And no surprise to anyone and Josh and anyone else. Shocker, Brooklyn at one. Uh, Josh, who did you have at your top eight before we flow into the top four that I think were actually unanimous on based on just the ranking was a little bit different, but we did have the same four. Yeah, I think we had this pretty similar top eight uh my eight were brooklyn milwaukee atlanta miami philadelphia charlotte chicago and boston yeah so top four are the same five through eight or not which doesn't really matter for this example i was going to mention this earlier uh the this episode's a lot more fun when we have like 48 hours to scramble and get this episode together and out when the playoffs are announced and then two days later they start this one's a lot more fun so uh in 82 games we'll talk to you guys again I'm looking forward to this because uh, it, the faster we get through this, the faster we get to award predictions. I, that's the part I've been looking forward to for four and a half months. I'm so excited. All right. Uh, top four. What do we got? Uh, recap here. We both have Brooklyn. We both have Milwaukee. It was one and two. 
The only difference here in terms of the order, not that this matters for this scenario, but it does matter if they finish this way. Um, I had the Heat at three. You had the Hawks at three and the Heat at four. But is that who you think is going to be the top four, like going to make the Eastern Conference semifinals? Because I don't know about you, but not all of my predictions have the teams that I thought would finish top four in the regular season as making it to the semifinals of their conference. I think ultimately that that is who the four that's if everything goes perfectly well and chalk, unfortunately I'm banking on a lot of injury luck and whatnot there, but I do think those are the four best teams. And just for the scenario here, I am going to say that that is my playoff four. I do think that's what will ultimately happen, assuming everything goes right for every team involved if they don't perfectly play each other. So yes, for the example's sake, I think that's the four. Okay. I was just clarifying where the segment was going. Uh, in this case, yeah, I also do have the same form making to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Uh, I really looked at it matchups wise and what I thought, and frankly, after those four, like looking at Philadelphia, Charlotte, Chicago, Boston, they're teams that are good enough to win games in the regular, win some games in the regular season, get to the playoffs, but I can't see any of them winning the seven game series against who they'd be matched up against. The only one I would have that's like up in the air, but I, I agree with you. I think after four, it is a little bit of a drop-off. It's like I can give you every reason why the top four could make the finals and win the finals. I couldn't give you that for the other you know, four. So I could say the only toss-up for me was Chicago, but we don't know a single thing about how that roster works together. That actually could be a complete disaster, and we have no idea. I would hope not with the you know talent they put around their star. So, no, I agree with you. I think the top four, and like I said, I think it's fun because each one of these teams has a key X factor that we'll address throughout the season that – and when we get to the playoffs, each one of these teams has an X factor that could get them there or not get them there. So assuming healthy, uh, how do you want to address this? Are we, we're not matching up like Hawks nets. Are we, we're not like, Oh, I think Trey's going to knock it. No, right. Are we, we're just going to like, are we just going to say three, two, one Eastern conference final? Like what are we doing? Well, I mean, it's just looking at the way I have it based on seating. Um, I would have Brooklyn against Miami in the semifinals and Milwaukee against Atlanta. And I don't want to be the one that's just as, like, frankly, what I think is going to happen in the Eastern Conference is quite boring. Maybe I'll be wrong. I was very wrong last year. But I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee take care of Atlanta and Miami in the semifinals. And we get – which I don't think anyone should, be, anyone should be upset about, get a rematch of Brooklyn and Milwaukee um, again in the playoffs. As boring as this is, I agree with you. <laughs> so, here we are. Um, I think the one team there – that I feel strongly about that could give funny enough if they do play the Bucks. You had, did you have the Heat playing the Bucks in this scenario? I had the Heat playing the Nets. Okay. So if the Heat don't play the Nets in, <laughs> in the semifinals, I think the Heat are kind of that like dark horse X Factor team that plays great defense and they can hit a lot mm -hmm. of shots. I think they're this year's Hawks, if that makes sense, but they're a lot better. I, that's kind of where I was going was like, I'm not going to sit here and like talk myself into the heat live, but I'm also going to say that the heat are kind of my, like they can beat one of those top. I have no players. idea what you mean by they are this year's Hawks. I, I think this team is good. <laughs> I think this team is scary and surprising. And if they're yeah. in the Eastern conference finals, they also could be this year's Philly. Okay. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? So like, I think no. there's a good example. Okay. <laughs> Real quick here. Uh, this Heat team is the Hawks were a team that none of us, especially you, didn't think was making it out of the first yeah. round. You thought they'd get swept. The 100%. Heat are a team we perfectly agree on will be good. Yeah. So I, in terms and, of, I mean, in the style of basketball they play is I don't mean to play. I mean how they, I mean how they fare in terms of once they're in the playoffs. The oh, Hawks, okay. so they got in the playoffs. No matter how I thought about them, we both 
like had them once they we we had to predict them once we got there. The Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and we quite frankly didn't think that would happen. Mm-hmm. And then the Sixers I had winning the finals last year. Yeah. And they I'm lost in the way. semifinals. So my point being here is this Heat team has a very big window of disparagement. I think they also are good enough to beat the Bucks or the Nets. I also think they're bad enough if they just catch the wrong team at the wrong time, mm. that they don't even make the semifinals is the point. So I was just saying in terms of high potential, low potential, this Heat team can swing really, really well. We'll get to them later as well. Um, that's why I'm not spending too much time on them. I'm not boiling this up to make this some big, like I think the Heat can win the finals or the win the East. I just, I think they're the team that, I was trying to make this segment more interesting, quite frankly. I think the Heat are the team that if someone's going to knock one of the two off. Oh, yeah. No, they're the, the most likely I don't think team it's to stop else. the Milwaukee Brooklyn uh, Correct. inevitability. I think it's the defense. I think it's the difference in the defense that the well, Heat never stops. Kyrie is the one most likely to stop the Milwaukee Brooklyn inevitability. But Yeah. If we're talking teams, yes. No, I think it's the Heat. <laughs> so, yes, I ultimately have however it shakes out. I didn't really – break that down in that detail because we don't know but I, yeah Nets Bucks is what I have for Eastern Conference Finals I would be shocked barring a major injury that that doesn't happen assuming full health I guess so yeah I have heat or sorry I have Nets Bucks as well do we need to drum roll for who we have next <laughs> no because I'm pretty sure we both think that Brooklyn's gonna steamroll this year I think, so. I think Brooklyn with two stars like last year obviously yeah. Katie had to fight for his life like, I, think I really they're... think that even if – like, because the question marks Kyrie Irving, right? He's currently not allowed to play in home games for Brooklyn. Which actually might be a good thing, by the way. I can divulge I that I think later. without Kyrie Irving, they're still going to steamroll everyone, as crazy as that is. But you're looking at – this is still a team that will have Kevin Durant and James Harden and then an actually impeccable supporting cast. So Their team's just that good. Kevin Durant last year played 51 games or 50 mm-hmm. games. It was like very low. It was, I think you're just at 50. I remember you quizzing me about it with the MVP. It was like less than half, I think. Which with the shortened season, I think. So it would have been lower than 50. Lower than that, yeah. So the equivalent of the full season, it would have been lower. Um, nonetheless, he didn't play more than 60 games is the, pro- is the point I'm making. So Kyrie, I think playing 40% of those games or 50% of the games because of home games, I think that might actually be a good thing because you don't need all three of these guys to play all season long. I think this is actually like, Oh, wow. Okay. One less than half of the finalists. That's or MVP uh, talked about towards the end of the year. That's wild. Okay. Um, Nonetheless, my point stands with, I think this is actually a good thing for Kyrie. Quite frankly, I I think it boils down to the fact that James Harden and Kevin Durant can take care of business and Kyrie can be as healthy as humanly possible. His stuff in the past has not been helped. Let's be real. It's been outside influences but imagine you get a fully healthy Kyrie that only played 50 percent of the year who has great chemistry with his teammates already he loves you know James and Kevin so I I don't think that's any debate I'm intrigued to see how much of a beating they're going to put on everyone (laughs) it's like a matter of how much at this point so yes if you have a fully healthy Kyrie in the Eastern Conference Finals I, I mean that's just unreal but then again, like we say, unless things change, he would only be able to play in games three, four, and six. Yeah, I guess that does that does account for the playoffs too. I was thinking regular season wise. Maybe the he's he's one of those dudes. I, I'm not like surprised if if he's got this like you know I'll get vaccinated at this exact time so that I'm ready for all. The play- I don't know. I have no idea what's going on in his head. So yeah, nonetheless, I think 
whoever they play, I think it's still a competitive series. I think it's, it's Eastern Conference semifinals basketball or Seifert's Conference finals basketball. I think the Bucks will make it interesting, but that team's just too dang good. It is what it is. Nets in five. Nothing interesting. Complete <laughs> 180 from your uh, last year's thoughts, but I guess yeah, they were. And don't get me wrong, people listening. I'm not saying I really want to see this. Yeah, because I, I really don't. But I know good basketball when I see it, and the Brooklyn Nets are a good basketball team. Like, I think at this point, probably a good pace ahead of Milwaukee, and I don't – I think, like, the team on paper looks like they would win it pretty easily. This is like this is like the Miami Heat in 2012. All right. Uh, and let me it worked out well for them. Yeah. So – are we ready to put the uh, fact that we both have the Nets in the finals? Let's put that on hold. We'll transition quickly to the West, and then we'll – Here's where things get interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll come back to it. So, uh, we both have Nets in the finals. I'm recording this just to be safe. Nets finals. And on the West side of town, Josh, or West side of the country, we have – quickly here, uh, we both had Suns at one. No, I had Jazz. No, you had Jazz. I'm sorry. I had flipped. My bad. Hold on. I don't know what I was thinking. So, Jazz at one for you at Phoenix at two or one. I'm sorry, I cannot talk today. Two, I had Utah. You had Phoenix at two. We both had the Lakers at three, and we both had the Nuggets at four. Again, a very strong top Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So, the part where I said it was interesting of those four that we had, I have three of them making it to the Western Conference semifinals. Okay. I had Utah making it, the Lakers, and the Nuggets. Really? So the way I had things set up on the bottom half on my side, playing matchups, I had Dallas at five, Portland at six, Golden State at seven, and the Clippers at eight. I think a Clippers-Jazz series will be close, but I'm assuming Kawhi will not play this season. And I think the Jazz would be the Clippers. I don't think Kawhi is going to come back in the playoffs. I think his injury is he's too not. serious for that. I don't think he's going to play at all. I don't think he's either, for what it's worth. I think that this Golden State team, with the greater wealth of experience, could get hot at the right time and could beat Phoenix in the series. And that's what I'm going to say is going to happen. So I looked at this a lot less like so far down the road than you did. I just assumed in this case, I was like, okay, yes, the Warriors definitely could do that. The Mavericks could also be an Eastern or Western Conference finals team. I quite frankly think that's very up in the air, whether they're really, really, really good. Like I mentioned before, whether the 2007 Cavs repeat or they're, you know, bad and they don't make it out of first round series with Luka yet. As scary as that sounds. I just based on everything it was very similar to the east i hate to be boring and i'm going to defend myself when we get a little bit further but my my point for this is these four teams just there's this gap this year in the top four that i just think is too hard to overlook in terms of a full developed team i I like dallas i like luca i really do think at both conferences it's the four that i have in my opinion and it's how they shake up is really what matters in this situation. Now, come closer to it. I'm going to look completely wrong, and that's totally fine. But in terms of we're talking talented team, the Nuggets are loaded this year. Jamal Murray's coming back, a guy that we'll talk about next week of a steal of one of our fantasy drafts already. Uh, the Lakers, whatever you think of them, they're going to be hopefully a top-four team with that much talent. The Jazz, 
we know how the Jazz can be. They're going to finish top two in the West and they're going to go into the playoffs and people are going to think they're really good again. And Phoenix, I just believe in this Phoenix team. I like I like what they brought back. I, I talked about it last week. I like what they brought back and I also like what they added. So I think it's just a combination of the fact that I don't like an entirety of a team behind them. I think there's players on those teams, say the Warriors, et cetera, like Steph and Clay get really hot. I think there's ways that they could make that. I just don't see a path where they don't end up, where they do end up in the Western Conference Finals. So that was. I don't I think they'll end up in the finals. But I think or the Western, Western, Western Conference semifinals. Sorry, sorry, Western Conference semifinals. I think that the. I think the West is a lot muddier. I think there's a lot of teams that are a lot better than we think, kind of in that upper half of the Western Conference. Uh, and you and I both talked about a bit before where even though we like Phoenix, Phoenix did well, Phoenix kind of profited from the fact that every other team kind of just got hurt and went down. Kawhi Leonard went down. Uh, Jamal Murray goes down. Anthony Davis and LeBron James struggle with massive injury issues. And it kind of just provided that clear path for the Suns. And I think in, they were a team that was like a couple years away. And because of a perfect storm, they took that leap immediately. I don't think it's going to come back that far. Now, I realize it's a massive hot take to say they're going to lose in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. But I think a team that outside of Chris Paul is incredibly inexperienced, which is what they are, uh, but the very young team outside of Chris Paul could suffer a mistake. I don't think that's going to like wreck the franchise going forward. Like they're going to be back. They're going to get there again. I just think this year it's not going to be that year. So a couple of things to break down there. I'm not going to repeat myself from last week when it comes to the Suns. I think ultimately there is a window here with Chris Paul, but ultimately mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think they still have the chance if he's doing everything he can with his health and his body, like he's been doing, but as much as, as much as I didn't like Portland, you can't not be like, okay, if Dame matches up against anybody in the first round, like he's done before, he's going to scare you and possibly beat you. So when I, I, I'm going to defend the fact that ultimately the teams that I like up front or up top are ultimately better in my opinion. However, yes, I can't disagree and say that this, this ultimately is probably not going to be the top four because when you have a team in the first round, like the Mavs, I don't think the Suns losing in the first round is a hot take, by the way, when you, my whole point here is when you play the Mavs, the Blazers and the Warriors possibly in the first round, there's yeah. a, there's ultimately a chance in a seven game series you're going to lose. So, I, I I ultimately believed in the talent. At the end of the day, though, I'm not shocked if any of those four teams are somebody that gets beat prior to the semis because of the guys the guys that I said they would play. So, Portland and Golden State, et cetera, and Dallas. So. Yeah, no, I, I ultimately it's for me, it's just going to be those top four and, and how they shape up is really where I think it gets weird. So. All right. So to recap, both of us agree on Utah, the Lakers and the Nuggets. You have Phoenix and I have Golden State in that Western Conference semifinals. So this is where I actually looked at it seating wise because the East I thought was just Nets and everyone else. This yeah. is where I really I had to take a look at it in detail. So I had Phoenix and uh Denver. Yeah, I had Phoenix and Denver, one and four, and I had Utah and LA Lakers uh, at two and three there. So, and your difference was just Golden State, and that's it, right? It was Utah, Golden State, and it was. Well, it would be so Golden State winning, being the seven, they would have won the two seven. So I would have had Utah against Denver and Golden State against the Lakers. 
Got it. All right. Keep reminding me that as we go. So uh, you could start with one of those two matchups because we completely disagree at this point. Um, I have the Nuggets with Jamal Murray back at this point, uh, taking down Utah, who's going to lose in the semifinals again after a great season. Uh, sorry, Jazz fans. But they kind of wronged me one too many times last year when I was way behind them, uh, as far as I could be. And just from the fact that I've kind of said before, like a full healthy Jamal Murray season, and I think this Denver team is looking at like the second seed or the first seed uh, instead of the four. Uh, so I have the Nuggets hitting the Western Conference Finals in that scenario. Um, so I won't spoil this any further. This is where I think Phoenix ultimately comes up uh, short. I think Denver does beat Phoenix. I think that's the team. If you're Phoenix, you hope you have to play them in the West Finals. Um, regardless of what the talent of the Lakers and the Jazz are in terms of defensive uh, potential. The reason I say that is because I just don't see a, a situation where they can stop the reigning MVP, where DeAndre Aiden, as much as I think he's going to take a huge step forward this year, and I think he's going to ultimately be the X factor for Phoenix. I think it, when it all boils down, if, if DeAndre Aiden has that like huge breakout year, the Phoenix Suns could make the finals, absolutely. But I think Jokic is going to, you know, run everybody who put they put on him around the floor. So and he added McGee, uh, did, Phoenix did, but I just don't think there's nothing you can do to stop Jokic in that in that regard, as well as just the deep roster of the Nuggets. I think these the I knew we weren't going to disagree on Denver at the end of the day. Well, I think the hard thing on a Denver Phoenix series is Jamal Murray. Nobody that Phoenix has, can no stop. disrespect to them, that can guard Jamal Murray. I mean, it's no secret that Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't the world's best defenders. Chris Paul's great steals guy, but is older. He's undersized compared to other point guards. He's probably not going to be able to hang there. And Devin Booker's not the world's best defender. I think Jamal Murray would eat Phoenix alive. Funny enough, I actually thought through that same scenario. And then I kept telling myself Phoenix was the second best defensive team in the team. uh, Sure. Yeah. No, team, and you've got to be able to the, play team defense is my point. Yeah, no, I, I think I they could play good team defense and do a good job against, like, Nikola and Michael guys. Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon. But Jamal Two Murray of the three. Gonna, yeah. It's a three-headed monster in Denver. Um, so, yeah, ultimately I knew Nuggets we were going to be on the same page about. I have Nuggets as well. Uh, who do you have between L.A. and – who am I missing? Golden State. I'm not going to say something outrageous here. I have the Lakers beating the Warriors. Thank you. I have the <laughs> Warriors getting hot to get one series in. Uh, yeah. I think it is kind of this last ride for the Warriors team. It's just been my mindset. I think it's kind of the last ride for Steph putting up the insane numbers, and I think they're going to show some flashes. They're going to make us think they can do it, like they can really do it, and but they're going to come up a little bit short. All right, so you have a Nuggets-Lakers finals, and I have – is this where I say something outlandish? So, Josh, I'm not going to actually – I'm actually going to take my time with this because I think there's a real scenario here where the Lakers don't make it out in the second round. There are and I think scenarios. It, I think it quite entirely and literally comes down to can Quinn Snyder figure out how to play Rudy Gobert in playoffs in the second round against Anthony Davis, LeBron, whoever else is driving into the lane. I think that's the one team the Lakers can't play at any point. Mm-hmm. As much as I've been like, I'm out on Utah because of what they've showed me. I've been like that for three years before we even did this podcast. Utah keeps scaring the crap out of me. 
this is the year I think something clicks for Donovan Mitchell. I think his Dwayne Way, you know, mentorship thing, I think something just clicks and goes off. I think he averages like almost 30 and just like absolutely just carries them. Whether that actually translates, we're going to find out. Gobert, though, is the part that I cannot every time last year we kept talking about the Jazz. I kept going, I don't know how Gobert is going to do it. And defensive player of the year three times, I get it. He just scares me in the playoffs in terms of just how they're going to play him. And if he actually puts it together, they're going to be unbeatable. Like, genuinely, they're going to be unbeatable. Unfortunately, though, for the Utah Jazz fans, I apologize as well. I do have the Los Angeles Lakers. I just wanted to give every bit of I wanted <laughs> you, to give every you, bit you of defense. All of that, hundred percent. I wanted to. I wanted you to realize like how close this was for me. I'm going to look back and laugh at this. So, yeah, five, five, five games. I think uh, ultimately is what will end up happening. I'm just saying, if it's not in five games, here's my defense. No. Yeah, so what's the like, reason for how the Lakers get the win over the Jazz? Because you just told us all the reasons they wouldn't. Um, I think ultimately, I don't know how they're going to stop Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis in any kind of tandem. I'm going to ride with the fact that their pick and roll is going to be unbeatable. And I don't think the Jazz as a whole are going to have to be able to keep up. They're going to have to keep up and shoot 40% because I don't think the Lakers are going to be a three-point shooting team this year. I don't think people realize that as they continue to watch them. It's going to, going to realize it's going to be. I think everyone knows the Lakers are not a three-point shooting they team. They tried. Okay, they tried to add some guys around. Wayne Ellington's going to have to shoot 45% if they want to be anywhere near the top 15% of the league. My point being is this team is going to have to grind it out, and I think they're able to grind it out if they're going to be healthy coming into that series. I just think the Lakers are able to be more talented in this case and utilize the fact that if the Jazz can't figure out the Gobert matchup, then great. I I would take Anthony Davis right now on Rudy Gobert every time. Sorry. Three-time defensive player of the year. I would take Anthony Davis on top of anybody right now coming into a fully healthy season. Hopefully a fully healthy playoff. Okay. Um, Fully healthy. That's the question, obviously. I try to throw health aside in these full full transparency. Yeah. So yeah, ultimately I think the Lakers play the Nuggets, and I figured twenty minutes ago that we would be on the same page about this as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when you kind of look at it, it kind of becomes it shakes out that way. These are the two most talented teams in the Western Conference, and if they uh, hit their stride and are healthy down the stretch, you kind of come back to that two thousand twenty rematch uh, for the Western Conference Finals. And I think that the result will be more or less the same. Uh, I think this is a year too early for Denver. Uh, and I just think that highly of Russell Westbrook. What was that? Mm, like, it was like the, mm, I wonder. The <laughs> <laughs> build suspense, but I think it'll be more or less the same. I personally, if this series happens, will be rooting for Denver. Sorry. Uh, but no disrespect. More or less, I think the Lakers are going to get it done. I think Russell Westbrook, if they figure out the offense, which I'm hopeful they will, because I like Russell Westbrook a lot. Big fan of the guy. I want to see him to succeed because he's been really just dealt some bad hands over his career, uh, given his incredible talent level. If they figure it out with him, that's they should win the Western Conference. Just – out of curiosity, since we won't address this before the season starts, do you think he averages a triple double this year? Oh, of course. <laughs> really? Uh, that yeah, easy, no, huh? 100%. What's the reasoning, though? What's the there has I mean, to be? He's going to play plenty of games without LeBron and AD throughout the season. And he's going to play plenty. They will rest, LeBron. but Russell Westbrook's not a guy that really goes and takes rest games all that much. Hey, maybe he'll get his the, numbers. 
maybe this is the turning point where uh, they all three you figure out this like system and rest and they he'll get his he'll average triple double three all constants right. in life death taxes and russell westbrook averaging a triple double <laughs> in our generation that's 100 true i love that uh yeah no i'm not gonna delay this one like i did with the utah one I, I don't denver scares me utah matchup wise scares me more I have the Lakers in any capacity making this fully healthy. Like I said before, Denver's a year away. Next year, if we're talking about the same thing, I'm probably saying something different. But Can you imagine Denver, though, next year if, say, they lose? And, like, Jokic is not a chip-on-the-shoulder guy, but Jamal Murray definitely is. Can you and imagine? MPJ as well. Can you imagine Jokic loses 20 pounds, puts on like, you know, maybe 5% muscle he mass. He lost a lot of weight. Like he's like I know, but like I went back and watched the highlights fit. the other day. And like, I'm telling you, there's a scenario there where we go into the offseason. You and I are like previewing the fact that Jokic has lost 20 pounds and added 5% muscle mass. And he looks like another MVP candidate again. Like he, I think there's a scenario where they don't win this year. Jamal Murray takes a huge step. Jokic cuts down and just gets really like, I just, I, I see it. And I, yeah. And <laughs> the scariest thing about the future of this Nuggets team, and it may be an outrageous thing to say, you had Jamal Murray, who was the guy that went wild in the playoffs in the bubble, getting those 50-point games and really showing out. You got Jokic, who is the reigning MVP. Two years from now, Michael Porter Jr. might be the best of those three guys. Scary. Yeah. That All right, let's uh, – is set let's, if they stay together. Let's knock this out because at the end of the day – uh, people came here for award predictions. <laughs> NBA Finals. We both have Brooklyn and LA in what's kind of the best storyline you could have in an NBA Finals because Absolutely. it is that Oklahoma City Thunder team. Oh, that trio from Oklahoma City. All in sorry. the finals. Sorry, Grace. All, all have some serious good and bad personal relationships with each other. Uh, there. And if this matchup happens, I will honestly probably would be rooting for the Lakers because I, I would just want Russell Westbrook to get that win. Nice. But I think the Brooklyn Nets would easily just walk over the Los Angeles Lakers in this scenario. Wow. Easily? Yes. So we can analytically break this out. I, I want like a full breakdown episode if this does happen. I want like this detailed. So we, I want to go through every storyline. I want to go through every matchup. I think it's so actually, many, I think it's a lot so closer. I think it's a lot closer than people think. That's why I'm really shocked by the, the, the trouncings there. But um, I have the Lakers winning the NBA finals this year. That's, as you should say as a fan, as you should. No, say. I, this is, this is full podcast. Not, this is full podcast. Okay. Not talking. I can't keep looking at this team and this chemistry, hopefully, as it continues to look like it's going to work out. And this defensive potential and this scary offensive style of play that we might not have seen out of three players like this ever again in terms of how they're going to play together. If it works, it's going to be unreal. I can say the same thing about Brooklyn. Which is how they're going to play together. How are they going to play together offensively? I think think quite frankly – I think what's going to come down to is like Brooklyn is going to do exactly what we think Brooklyn's going to do. I think that's why a lot of people think they're going to trounce people. They're going to continue More like 150 points per yeah, game. Shoot, shoot at a high clip. I think really what it boils down to is I think there's a huge defensive gap between the two teams. I think if yeah, the Lakers sure. can bring that together, and I just I'm going to mm-hmm. ride this. I'm going to ride this till this till this season's over. 
that Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis pick and roll is going to be a lot better than I think people realize. They are going to dominate people when they play together because <laughs> they probably won't play. They'll probably I'll, – I'll throw a percentage out there as a guess right now. I'll look at this at the end of the year. I'll use uh, some Raptor stats and whatever I got to find to get this right. Uh, they will play only 35% of regular season games together this year. That's probably right. Uh, that's my number preseason, yeah. 35%. I mean, that's what Brooklyn's probably going to do together. It's all about, like, what they're going to do when they're all together in the postseason. Yep. All right. So, L.A. and Brooklyn. Now we have, like, completely different opinions right on this. I'm excited. That's, that's what I'm glad happened. Yeah. I'm glad that that went that way. Frankly, I think Brooklyn probably going to have one of the fastest paced, most lethal offenses we've seen in a while. Just going to score like crazy on everyone. And at the end of the day, Brooklyn has what right now is probably the best basketball player in the world, Kevin Durant, and he can step up to take that big shot when it matters. All right. Award number one, Josh. Oh, so we're just moving right along. All All right, right. let's do it. Hey, people came for this. (laughs) I have nothing else to say. I'm just going to say before we get to the end of it, um, if, like, none of my dreams of these other teams, like, felling Brooklyn or the Lakers along the way happen – it would kind of be incredible to see the storylines uh, for that finals. And be oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So Coach Trevor has his Lakers winning the NBA finals. Did you have them winning it last year? I did not. Who did you have winning last year? And Philly. Okay. Interesting. I think I did open with Milwaukee at the beginning of the season last year. I have to go back. I don't remember because it was something we How about did that? super um, early. And I've got the Brooklyn Nets winning the NBA Finals. Hope I'm wrong. All right. Awards. The end of season. These were the ones that Trevor and I were really wrong about last year. I think we only got LaMelo Ball right, basically. And maybe Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. I think those were the two that we got correct last year. All right. Where are we starting? Coach of the year. The one that's <laughs> the only non-player. <laughs> yeah. He's really hard Maybe. to predict. Maybe, actually. Some of these guys are former players. Now. Uh, you want me to just kind of drum roll it? I want to hear wanna... what you have first on coach of the year and why. So, I'm actually going gonna... to have to be a lot of why because there's just so many. This is probably the smallest pool to choose from where it's only 30, we think. Um, <laughs> Could be 30. It's only 30. <laughs> But, like, as it goes along, it's just going to be this giant, like, pool of players to pick from. And Funny you say yeah. that. Um, last year, there was actually 31 candidates because Nate McMillan took yes. over. <laughs> so, uh, I, sorry, Hawks fans. I don't have Nate McMillan. No, I'm actually going to preface mine before I give the answer. So, yeah. instead of after. So, the coach of the year problem for me is, yes, there's 30 candidates. However, this award, almost entirely in its history – is a team that makes a huge jump. And here's where I got stuck. (laughs) There's not going to be a team that makes a huge jump. (laughs) Like, I think in terms of where I had to predict, obviously these are all our opinions, guys. Where I had every team falling and ranking and wherever, right? There's really, I had to go with what I would call a chalk pick. And at the end of the day, last year, you look at Tom Thibodeau, where New York finished fifth. He's one coach the year before in Chicago when he got them up to first in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think the Heat are going to be a top three seed 
and they're going to be led by Coach Eric Spolcher's leadership. I think Eric Spolcher is going to be the coach of the year this coming year. Wow. Um, before I go any further, I told Josh last week that I would do this. I don't remember if he said he would, um, but I came in with two dark horses for every single award. Okay. One or two, depending on how you cut it. So I had two of each award. I had two people that I think, and you can go first or go next, obviously, but I want to address each one because I think there's a very big storyline for a couple of these people. Um, not just coach of the year, but in general, of course, um, Eric Smolster to me, just based on everything I kept looking through, I think, I think he's very clearly uh, a very top candidate and qualified. Did you, do you going to say your dark horses? Or? No, you can go ahead. We'll, we'll go, go we'll ahead. Go I want to like, I want to build the anticipation with saying who my dark horses are before I get to who I think is going to win it. So you do have dark horses. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I had several people one... I thought of like through all of these. So, and that was why I think dark horses are cool because they're people that we could accidentally get right about. Uh, no matter how I feel about the Boston Celtics, Josh, I think M.A. Odoka could be one of the biggest dark horses in any award right now because they love him. The players yeah. will not stop talking about him in pressers. And I cannot wrap my head around the fact that this guy is, sounds like just the next, like, in your face, clap, clap, clap. Let's get this team fired up. Like he seems like the guy. It seems like something Boston would do. Um, they would have to completely outplay the expectation for me of where I fed them not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You can't coach the year. You cannot win it if you're not in the playoffs. Uh, and secondly, just because I think this is the jump team, if there is any, I do have James Borrego as a as a coach of the year candidate. If the team is a top five defensive team, top ten defensive team led by him, as well as if they finish the top six. I think it's very possible. So what I looked at, there were kind of – there were a couple coaches that, like, crossed my mind, and I ended up not going with thinking they're going to win it, but I think it's a possibility, and I was kind of go through the story. Uh, one, going back to what you thought at the beginning of your last year, is Steve Nash. I think there's a scenario where Brooklyn is has that incredible of a season, um, and a lot of that's going to be due to Steve Nash figuring this – how to work it all together. Uh, that Steve Nash kind of gets that honor uh, that he deserves. Because you look at all these guys on the team um, have gotten a ton of honors through their career, but Steve Nash is um, a young head coach uh, in his career and can get that head coaching honor. I think, two, there's Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd can figure out the most difficult question in the NBA right now, which is how do you play Kristaps Porzingis with Luka Doncic and make it work? If he figures that out, and so by that, I mean like Dallas jumps to like finishes in the top three in the Western Conference in the regular season that you're looking at Jason Kidd as a coach of the year. If that happens, he definitely was coach of the yeah. year. The end of the day, I went with the same logic you did. It's the team that makes the biggest jump. And we both kind of agreed we didn't think a team was going to make a big jump until I kept looking at it and realized that the team most likely to make that biggest jump is the Charlotte Hornets. And I think that personally, and part of it's bias, but part of it's not, I tried not to give this as my answer. I think James Borrego deserves it. Yeah. There's so much work he's done to build up guys like Terry Rozier that was completely panned in the press by Charlotte as a decision to bring him in when Kimba Walker left. Terry Rozier has flourished. Kimba has been traded by Boston, released by OKC, and now he's over in New York. Don't think that's by accident. A guy like LaMelo Ball loves James Borrego, despite the fact that he Borrego was widely criticized in the press for not starting Ball at the beginning of the season. 
the guy who has an incredible relationship with his coach. He's built from a team that before Ball really doesn't have any stars. Even with Hayward there, without outside of Ball, really doesn't have stars. It's a team that would have to get somewhere on team basketball alone. And I think James Brago can finally be the time if the Hornets finish in that middle of the East. It's them. I think what it'll come down to is if uh, the Nets just absolutely trounce people and the yeah. Hornets don't finish in the top five, I think they're going to give it to Nash. I did not have Nash as a dark horse because ultimately I think this is not the team that he wins coach of the year on. I think he's not going to be the Nets coach forever. I think once this Nets uh, team disbands in a couple of years after maybe a couple titles, I think Steve Nash has got a flourishing career ahead of him. And I think this is just where we're going to see his basketball mind work with superstars, but I think he can absolutely coach at any level. I think he'd be really good with college to be strategic and be able to use his basketball mind, top five basketball mind of all time, similar Jason Kidd example. So I do like Nash. I just, I couldn't fool myself. Fool me once, shame on you, right? Fool me <laughs> twice, shame on me. So. I just I can't want to talk myself into Nash, but when you have that good of a team, it's just kind of hard to give it to that guy unless they absolutely destroy people. Because if I'm correct, yep. Steve Kerr did not win Coach of the Year when the Warriors won 73 games, so it's not like no, but no, yes, he did. They did. Okay, so was, I know that yeah, was 73 an and nine. Steve Kerr was Coach of the Year. Did you have that as an example too? Or did you have that as like a like could be a Nash example? I like that. No, I was just looking page. at the history of Coach of the Years to kind of get an okay. idea of the vote. And then honestly, there's not like a uniform. Uh, voting pattern. There it is. Uh, Coach of the year. A is team very that like surprisingly, if a team surprisingly like wins, gets first in their conference in the regular season, that seems to happen a lot. But then last year it didn't happen for Quinn Snyder, so I don't really know what the voting pattern is. Yep. All right. Um, I'm going to actually do the dark horses thing backwards like you did. I'm going to switch the order for that. I'm going to do two dark horses and then the per- person, if that makes more sense this time. It sounded a lot better coming out when you did it like that. So, um, I believe we decided on going with most improved player. I, there wasn't really an order, but let's just say rookie of the year, defensive player, and MVP are the most important, obviously. So um, we, I think you, we said we were going most improved player here. Yes. All right. You want to go or you want me to go? <laughs> This is yeah. where it's after coach of the year. This is, it just gets weird after this, because my favorite thing about award predictions is people can laugh at us. People can make fun of us. You can be like, ha Why didn't you have this guy? It's random. Most improved players, my favorite award to predict because you're literally guessing you're like you have that to pick guy. Someone that's going to just make a ridiculous jump. I feel really good about mine. Neither of us said Jordan Clarkson last year, but right. I mean, Hey, here we are. So, Josh, um, I tried my best to hide this yesterday when we were drafting our Dynasty Fantasy Draft. We'll cover next week. I tried my best to hide this. This guy's on my team for this exact reason. <laughs> and I told you I like picking most of group player because it's so random, and I just think it's just their stuff at the wall. I also know historically there has not been very many second year players. So sorry, LaMelo, Anthony Davis, Tyrese, Hall- Anthony Davis, sorry, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, et cetera. Historically, that just doesn't go their way unless yeah. LaMelo ball wins MVP next year. He'll win MVP most improved <laughs> player. That's about the only scenario I see working out. No second well, year player. I did not have LaMelo in this category. <laughs> nowhere near it. So I, okay. most I don't think it makes any sense for second year players because there's no true development. In your second there's year. It's, it's there's the third no year. real benchmark. However, there's a development in your third year. I have a third year player here, Josh. A couple reasons. 
Is this a dark horse, or are you just saying the person you think is going to win? Oh, crap. I was going to – oh, I forgot I was doing the other way around. Sorry, my two dark horses. Let me back up. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for reminding me. I got that totally backwards. Um, it, remember everything I said in about 30 seconds. Um, I have Gary Trent Jr. or Norman Powell as a dark horse. I have one of those two. They were traded for each other at the trade deadline. One of those two will work out uh, way better than we expect. I think personally it's going to be Norman Powell. His team's going to be better. He's going to have more potential to show up in those big moments like he did in the playoffs. He was their third best player in the playoffs last year. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. also just in terms of opportunity, he's going to be playing for a huge contract. I think he has the potential there to be most improved player if he has this huge scoring jump. Um, my second dark horse, the one I think I believe in the most of dark horses, is Miles Bridges or P.J. Washington, whichever of these two play bigger and better. I don't think statistically they're going to jump off the board, but I think if that yeah. team's winning, one of those two, I think P.J. has the poten- potential to average like 15 and 10. So, yeah. however, however, one of those guys is going to make a jump. I just don't know who it is. I didn't decide. I actually went with four people as dark horses. <laughs> so, um, either one of the two four guys I just said. Lastly, I have R.J. Barrett as my most improved player. I think R.J. Barrett takes the Steve Nash. Funny, I, I'm glad you brought up Steve Nash. I actually wasn't going to bring him up unless you did. I think R.J. Barrett, you have to consider something here. When you're Steve Nash's godson and he's your mentor, something's going to click. Whether it's year three or year six, I don't know. That's why I love this award, because no one's going to make fun of me. Knicks fans are going to rally around this with me. I'm so excited for it. R.J. Barrett, in terms of efficiency, went from 32% shooting from three last uh, his rookie year to 40% last year on almost three more makes or three more attempts. Just in general, everything, every single statistic except for turnover margin, he improved on. I am willing to take the bet that the Knicks are going to be worse. He's going to play better. And he's going to win most improved player. Next, we both yeah. obviously we know where we have the Knicks. Um, this is the same RJ Barrett, mind you, that was the number one high school player over Zion Williamson. That guy, yeah, going into the Duke team, he was the best player going into that Duke team prior to Zion Williamson's freshman season, where he won himself the number one overall pick. RJ Barrett was the unanimous one, number one overall pick until Zion had his had his moment. So this kid's for real. It's yeah, he is. I agree. I think it's a little. A little could be early. Could be early. to say that the reason that uh, RJ was overshadowed was because of Zion's great play. It partially was. It was partially because at Duke, RJ was very much a volume shooter. He had a lot of eight for twenty three stat lines while he was at Duke. Absolutely, he did that not play efficiently. A million shots. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that scares me on RJ is the inefficiency in the turnovers. Uh, he's very much, I think, still a volume guy. Uh, like you said, he's getting better, and I think he's a good player. Uh, and I think, like you said, I think it's early. Um, and just also from a most improved player standpoint, I think it usually goes to somebody that's going to need a lot of the workload on their team. And I'm just not sure if RJ is going to get that. If the Knicks are trying to contend, they kind of have loaded up like guys are going to want the ball in their hands on that roster. You're Julius Randle, you're Derrick Rose, you're Kimball Walker, you're Evan Fournier. They're going to want the ball in their hands. Um, when I drafted RJ last night, uh, one of the people in that room that was not you, I don't remember his name now, and I apologize to him, and I know he'll be listening. Uh, he made a comment to me that actually was really, really – I would pick RJ Barrett in four years after he said this. Um, this is RJ's team in four years when Julius Randle starts to regress. 
And I think RJ continues to make, or even two years. I just think right now, like I agree with you, there's a lot of people that need the ball on that team. However, he's going to become more and more reliable as he be, as he continues to improve efficiency, which he has. He's also a gym rat. I'm fully, you know, able to see that he's dedicated and working. And I'm willing to take that jump this year because honestly, no one else in terms of situational fit. I looked at all 30 teams and I was like, who situationally is going to carry the load? Like you said, I do think that Jordan Clarkson example is great. I just didn't see one that just jumped out at me. So I went with a, a little bit of a heart pick, but I also went with the fact that the Knicks could still be good. I don't, I mean, I think they still could finish in the top six in the East. I think he's the difference maker. And if he plays like he's going to, hopefully, most of the player is in the cards. Josh, I am ready to hear yours. I'm excited. So a couple of guys that I think will be honorable mentions who I think are going to have great seasons, but they're not going to win this pick. Uh, one, Michael Porter Jr. becomes an all-star is nice. a scenario in which there's the most improved player. I think nice. this is kind of Porter's been sitting on that cusp of a breakout season with Jamal Murray out for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, Porter Jr. is going to carry that load in Denver. Number two, rolling back to the Dallas situation again. If Kristaps Porzingis figures everything out on the offensive end, Kristaps Porzingis, I don't know, maybe it should be a comeback player of the year award instead of a most improved player, but uh, <laughs> just gonna. With the injuries, they definitely should have comeback player of the year award. Like yeah. they, they definitely should be a thing. I, I think it's really cool. The last time I say Kristaps Porzingis in this award, award for, the, for the season, can we? It's the last and time the, you mentioned. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, go for it. I really want to see if it's figured out. But I think the player that when I thought about it is most likely to win most improved player comes down to, I think this guy got so much better. It was incredible last year and no one paid attention to it. Just like there was no media coverage. No one was looking at it. And based on a move that he's made in the off season, he's now being looked at a lot more. And if he just plays how he did last season, I think people are going to want to give him the most improved player. And that's Alonzo Ball. Wow. Wow. Lonzo Ball was shooting nearly 40% from three last season. No one talked about it. He's already one of the most skilled passers in the NBA, which no one was looking at. Now that he's made the move to Chicago, everyone's like, oh, got their eyes on Lonzo Ball. If he just does this year in Chicago as the starting point guard, what he did last year in New Orleans, he's easily the most improved player. People are going to actually pay attention to what he already did. And I think he's going to take a leap forward again. He's really starting to hit that stride and improvement that he was kind of given up on. Um, and I think he's going to hit that spot. So less about giving up on, more about he was just a casualty of a trade that was going to ultimately change the shape, fate of a franchise. Yeah, but you also – I mean, I wasn't just saying the Lakers. Like, the Pelicans didn't yeah, they, go after they, they him just match an offer. They let yeah, him walk out after his improvement. Totally fine. Uh, yeah. This is David Griffith for Dama. So here, I actually like the MPJ one more. Here's the only thing, though. He finished last season almost averaging 20. So if he makes the all-star jump, he probably wins most improved player, I think is where I, I agree with you there. I think that's kind of the one where if he doesn't make an all-star game mm-hmm. this year, or the all-star game, then uh, the most improved player is literally just a toss-up by, by game 70. Lonzo is weird, though, because I don't know how much. I guess they paid him a lot of money. I get it. And he's obviously mm-hmm. going to be on a way bigger scale. We're talking top five or top six market here in the NBA in terms of marketability. I don't know how that rotation looks 
I don't know. I, I just they drafted Kobe White at six, you know, a couple years ago. I, I just I just can't over, figure it out. I love Kobe White, but people are overthinking the Kobe White thing. Kobe White is not on Lonzo Ball's level at all. Oh no, close. absolutely not, not remotely close. We went over that. In, Kobe in the White is the clear backup point guard to Lonzo. Absolutely. Ball. Do I think he could I be love a starter? Kobe White, but he's not remotely near Lonzo Ball's level right now. So I don't think it's at all like he's going to be taking the time away from Lonzo in any scenario. Full 180, I'd also see a scenario where Lonzo averages like 11 assists. Like I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see a scenario there where if DeMar is just going to hit, you know, 18 points a game worth of mid-range jump shots and Lonzo's just dishing it to him. Great. You know, that doesn't, oh, no, I didn't forget. <laughs> no, that doesn't – I mean, that's just what DeMar can do for him, who's yeah. a mid-range guy, right? It's, they're going to be able to expand the offense. I, I, the Bulls were very – and I think that's a, a thing with Billy Donovan that I can't wrap my head around. I'm not a Billy Donovan guy. I've always been not a Billy Donovan guy, but <laughs> he, he just needs to like take his like dog cone off. He has like this dog cone when he coaches where he's like only looking straight in front of him. And Billy Donovan just needs to figure out how to open that offense more. And I think Lonzo is the way to do it. So I think yes, Lonzo, I like that. They have the opportunity. They drafted Kobe white because they wanted to play fast. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that, that was Kobe White's whole thing. Oh, yeah. Turn the best. ball over too much. Very best. Lonzo's a better passer. Lonzo can go play fast. If anything the Ball brothers do well is they play fast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just – I'm a fan. I like Lonzo Ball. I think he did make that jump. I don't think he got credit, and I hope he gets it this year. This is the same Lonzo Ball, by the way, that as a Lakers fan, before the Anthony Davis thing was even sniffed out as a possibility, I thought he was going to be my franchise point guard for 15 years, and I'm still angry about it. Okay, I like Lonzo too. All right, you forget that we haven't done a podcast. You, for angry, that you got a you got a champion. Oh no, no, I look. I'm not disparaging that. I'm just saying I like him a lot, and I did like him a lot, and I still do. And I thought he was going to be my point guard for 15 years. I was ready to buy the jersey, and I did. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't now. Josh, where are we going now? Six man of the year. Six man of the year. The one that I this is just I'll just put it out there at the very beginning. I hate this award. I think this. this I, I think this award should be just removed. I think it's just. I think it's just you have dumb. to sniff out who's going to play off the bench. You can't do that. Yeah, no, it's, right. It's impossible. Exactly. Just like most of your players. My point being, I just hate this award because just I think it's just stupid. I don't like it. I'm bullish on that. Who do you have? Just I go through your dark okay. horses. Well, these are the dark horses. Um, I'm going to throw him in here because he's going to be a finalist like he is every year, Lou Williams. <laughs> he might be the eighth guy on the Hawks this year. That's doesn't the matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. It's Lou Williams. His name's almost – it's Lou Williams can and I, Jamal Crawford. Two names can, I give you for, can I give you transparency on how, how long of a dark shot that is or dark horse that is? Yep. Uh, right now, Kevin Herter in, in most Vegas scenarios is like plus – I think it's like 450 or five. He's the second highest pick right now, Kevin Herter. Lou Williams is currently like plus 30,000. 30,000. He's like 30 spots away from his teammate that's going to play in front of him. I love it, though. That's so, so, so much respect for Lou Will. But you loves know, Atlanta. But I mean, Lou Williams was a finalist for six man of the year two years ago. Like, he was a finalist for like seven straight seasons. Oh, I get yeah. it. I, I, it's a great pick. I just think it's uh, funny. The other side, um, looking up to Milwaukee, Dante DiVincenzo. On a back, nice. bounce back season as a dark horse there as well. Um, but with the winner, I went with I'm heading over back to the evil empire of the Brooklyn Nets. 
And sixth man of the year is a guy who should be a starter, but in Brooklyn, he's going to come off the bench, and it's Joe Harris. Yeah, I guess they aren't starting him, are they? If you start Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, Joe Harris is the first man off the bench, and he's probably the best three-point shooter. I mean, this is why over the past, like, three years consistently in the NBA. And I think, like, it's kind of a cheap way to go about the answer. He's a guy who should be a starting shooting guard. He got paid, like, wild as a starting shooting guard. But because of Brooklyn, he's going to come off the bench as the sixth man, and I think he'll win the sixth man of the year because his numbers will be wild. Here's the thing why I hate this award. He played with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving a bunch when they played together. It was only, like, 15 games. So. I don't, I don't see a scenario where he actually – like, this is where I hate six-man because I can't go, okay, well, like, you you think he's going to be a six-man. I don't. I think he's going to be the starting small forward for the Brooklyn Nets. I just can't – I can't There's wrap no my head around this award, right? So, I think I went with one that I I think actually is going to be the six-man on his team for a lot of the year if they're healthy. A um, couple dark horses first, though. If Cameron Payne plays like he did last year towards the back half of the season and the playoffs, if Cameron Payne plays – anything like that and he's the sixth man on that team which by the way he is that's no like disrespect that. to cam johnson there's no disrespect to cam johnson but cam Payne's oh, no, gonna no, play definitely the one he's gonna play 28 minutes a game because chris paul is gonna want to play 30 minutes a game right so i just it's, it's when you're chris paul's backup at this stage of chris paul's career you're gonna be a six man at least candidate mm-hmm. um and then similar scenario derrick rose derrick rose will be the backup mm-hmm. point guard on the new york knicks Unfortunately for Emmanuel, quickly, I, I just Derrick Rose is too good right now in this step of his career. If the Knicks want to try to compete, you're going to have to capitalize on him. And he was a six man of the year candidate for me up until he started having to play a bunch last year when they didn't have a point guard. If Kimba's fully healthy, Derrick Rose is the six man, no doubt. That's the scary part, and that's where I, that's why he's a dark horse. Full transparency, Josh. Uh, this guy, however, uh, I do think will be the six man just based on last season and just based on this season. If his point guard is always on the court like he has been. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has not missed very many games at, in his NBA career so far, uh, and I don't think that changes unless a major injury happens. Tyrese Halliburton will be the backup point guard and will probably play 30 minutes as a backup point guard for the Kings, and they're going to have this weird hodgepodge of, you know, Buddy Hield and Halliburton and Fox, and it's just going to work, and they're going to mm-hmm. be exciting and fun. They're going to be one of my favorite league pass teams. We didn't really give them a lot of love because we don't think they're going to do – very well in that weird bottom feeder West. Um, but Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton's talented, man. Fox is better right this moment. But Tyrese is also a proven leader, playmaker, ball handler that I think can be the propelled kind of, hey, I'm the best guy on this abysmal second unit, so I'm going to average 18 or whatever, you know, 16. Or he's going to average at least six assists, I think. It's going to be crazy. But I think he's one of the biggest second-year jump guys this year. Yeah, it's kind of another scenario where I didn't. I I think Tyrese Halliburton is probably going to start in Sacramento uh, with De'Aaron Fox. So I just I mean, don't. I just don't see the fit. They've they've started pushing Buddy off the bench more. Like they've started pushing him into the lineup more. The last like oh, Buddy will play sure. small forward. I think it's just like see. I don't like that. I hate. I that think lineup. Sacramento is best <laughs> off playing their best guys at once, and I think they. I don't think Halliburton will be on the bench enough, frankly, to do that. I mean, I think he's great. Which is why it's I hate a this hard award to pick. <laughs> like we're just like not even thinking of the same players. Yeah, we'll see. Find out what happens whenever Tyler Hero is six man of the year or whatever. Um, he was actually somebody I looked at as a dark horse. <laughs> okay. Um, rookie of the year. I'm not going to say dark horses because I think it's pointless, frankly. Um, Cade Cunningham is going to win rookie of the year. So defensive player of the year. Josh, uh, Josh, Josh. 
Easy. <laughs> no. Uh, quickly for me, Dark Horse. I think James Booknight, if he plays a ton, could win Rookie of the Year yeah. on a good team. That, yeah. This is why Dark Horses don't make any sense. I James tried. Not win Rookie the the only one I do actually think I, that is actually somewhat legitimately possible is Josh Giddy. If Josh Giddy repeats what he did coming from Australia last year, I think he could be that kind of guy that meshes well with Shea. I just see a scenario where he plays better than we kind of expect at six. How is your number six. two guy to Cade, not Jalen Green? Like, it's going to be Cade and Jalen Green. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> These are dark horses. There's a difference. Yeah. Cade and Green are unanimous favorites. There's a huge difference in gap here. Okay. I think Giddy is the third. I think Green is second. And I think Cade is first. That was what I was getting at, is I think it's one, two, and everyone else is why I was saying Giddy. Giddy does have a chance. An injury, we're, we're one injury away, which I never wish injury on anybody, ever. We're one injury away from Giddy being a finalist for this award. So, ultimately, Green's probably going to average, like, almost 20 points a game. That's the thing that I keep talking myself into. Oh, he will, because, I mean, he's going to take, like, 30 shots a game. I mean, Absolutely. He's taking the shots in Houston. The James Harden effect, right, yeah. when he takes over in Houston, so – um, no, Kate Cunningham, I think I, it's not really that deep or analytical. It's just I like the team around him better. I said that two weeks ago or last week when we did Western Conference, sorry. And I just think Kate's going to be able to complement the guys that he plays with, say Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. I think those two guys are pretty big for him, not even including Jeremy Grant and others. But I just think those three are going to be fun. They're going to be really fast. And the Pistons are going to be probably one of my – Sneaky, I'm bored on a Tuesday night. Watch teams, and I'm going to feel really weird watching them, but I'm going to enjoy it because it's Kate Cunningham. So, generational player. All right. Uh, that's glad we spent all that time on rookie of the year. Uh, uh, this is where it gets really weird. Really weird, really fast. Defensive player of the year. All right. So, these aren't necessarily going to be dark horses that I'm going to go over here. Um, so these players are going to say on defensive player of the year, they're not – I'm going to be completely transparent. They're not dark horses. They are names that are going to be finalists because they always are, but this year I'm not picking them to win. I think two of the three finalists that won't win defensive player of the year are Rudy Gobert and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think they'll both be finalists. They're the last two guys to win defensive player of the year. Rudy's pushing like that borderline best defensive player we've seen in NBA history um, area with all these awards he's won. They'll be up there. I think voter fatigue, they're not getting voted for it. I think the best defensive team in the NBA this year is going to be the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are going to play really a stout kind of grit and grind uh, defense. Uh, It's going to pummel teams. And I think the best defender on that team, Bam Adebayo, will win the Defense Player of the Year award. I'm a very, very high on Bam Adebayo. All right. So before I get to mine, I just want to read a couple of. I think, barring unfortunately Ben Simmons, um, you know, lack thereof. No comments on mine. Um, not yet. No, I, there's a couple I will break down there. So, barring a Ben Simmons, just doesn't play whatsoever, and it looks like that so far. Um, hey, I don't think ben, he's going to play enough to factor in. Basically, exactly. Ben Ben will be a would be a finest otherwise, regardless of the bad play. He's such a stuff. I just don't think he'll play enough games to factor. Absolutely not. I bring him up for a different reason. Actually, I bring him up for the fact that I'm going to read you some guys that realistically could be finalists at the end of the year. You've already said two of them: Gobert uh, and Giannis. Uh, Joel Embiid fully healthy. 
Miles Turner, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Matisse Thibault, Drew Holiday, Clint Capella, Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart. After that, it starts really dropping off, right? So that's a lot of guys. Like, that's a lot of people that realistically, if they have a great defensive season individually and team-wise, they all, like any of them, could quite frankly deserve the award. Um, so here's where I went and why I brought that up. Uh, this year, the, the voter fatigue is going to be the strongest it's ever been for an award in a while. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Rudy Gobert, I, I do have him as a um, kind of, I don't have him as a dark horse. I just don't have him as the finalist, as the winner. Yep. Um, my two dark horses, however, are Clint Capella. I think if he's the anchor of a, the Hawks team that's going to finish top three in the West or the East, sorry. I keep getting the East and the West mixed up today. Uh, if Clint Capella is the anchor for them, because he's quite frankly the only good defender on that team in terms of just a guy I can rely on. Miles uh, and Miles Turner, who deservingly should have been a finalist the last like three years, but he's got to play all the time. And the so Pacers have got to be, I know. And this is why he's a dark horse. I, I was going to put him as a finalist. I just, I couldn't talk myself into the Pacers being good enough. He statistically, I want homework. Go look at Miles Turner's defensive uh, analytics, his advanced stats. He is a top five defender in this, in this NBA. However, unfortunately, we agree on this. I have Bam Adebayo winning defensive player of the year. I think when you look, and I'm going to go back to that odd stream of that list. When you look at this list, the fact that Bam right now is like the eighth guy in terms of now, I guess, obviously these odds are all over the place. My point being though, he's not even right now talked in as a top five finisher. Wow. He should be. But I feel like he's, he should be. Oh really no. I like, but should be. Yeah. Like after Gobert, he's clearly the best defensive center in the NBA. So I think it's um, crazy that people aren't like – like I understand the craziness of who might win, but after Rudy Gobert, it's clearly Bam Adebayo is the best defensive center. His narrative would have to be – and a defensive player of the year is very similar to MVP. It's very narrative. It's very, you know, who's going to be there and why. So fully healthy, Bam could be the best defender on his team and the anchor for them. However, or also, or however you want, therefore uh, – Best defender on his team, like I mentioned. Uh, strong advanced statistics season. I think a lot of the voters truly do look at analytics and very, very deep NBA advanced statistics when it comes to defensive player of the year. That's part of the reason Rudy's won as much as he has. Um, I think six foot nine at the center position is very weird for Bam, but I agree with you. I think he's the uh, he plays bigger than that. Plays bigger than that. And he plays like a defensive player of the year. All right, uh, are we ready for MVP? Is this what everyone really did come to see? All right. MVP. Gosh, I feel like we need to like slowly rip this bandaid off. No. Um, I actually have three dark horses. All right. I, when I say wide open, the most wide open award, and it's yeah, not even close. It's more wide open than it was when LeBron uh, went down last year as well as uh, where it kind of became the Jokic race and, and everyone else. Prior to that LeBron injury last year, it was just, it was all over the place. It was anybody's game. So where this comes and down I to it for me, so. for the dark, right. I mean, Jokic was playing and deserving it. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Where this comes down to it for me is there's a lot of situational fits or guys that kind of take that most improved player kind of next jump that take that MVP jump. That's where these dark horses came to mind for me. One of them being Zach Levine. If he continues the efficient scoring from a guy yeah. like Lonzo Ball throwing in the ball, this is like I said, these are complete dark horses, obviously. Exactly and definitely. No, I mean, I like I like the decision. I mean, I'm I've been vocal on I think that, and it's not this comment is not to 
pull either of these players down. It's just say how highly I think of Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine is in the he's in the Devin Booker Donovan Mitchell. Like he's as good as those guys, but his team hasn't been there, so he's not tough like it. This he is the is proving as good ground. As those players. This year's the proving ground for that. Absolutely. Um, the other kind of like you know reasoning and why dark horse matters here is he would definitely be a, a uh, let's say a coupled factor of if there's some guys in front of him that get hurt. I think he starts to propel if somebody gets hurt, right? Um, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the best player in the Miami Heat. That's no disrespect to Bam Adebayo. He's no, still no, going to be until he you. retires. However, it's Bam's defensive team now. It's Jimmy's leadership team. This is where that leader – I know leadership is not a statistic. However, <laughs> if I had an MVP vote and a guy got my, his team back to the top three and really proved it, kind of like brought that bubble mentality back that Jimmy Butler had, 25 points a game, great defensive player. He finished top three. There's a scenario for it. Unfortunately, though, I think injuries of guys in front of him have to happen for that to happen. That's why it's a dark horse. Lastly, I told you I would come back to this, and I'm glad we're here. If Donovan Mitchell averages 30 points a game this year in the Jazz of the number one seed, he's, I think, an MVP finalist. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's – He's been close before. Order. He's averaged 26 before many times. I know there's a disparaging difference. Yeah. I'm just – 30 is the number that, like, it would have hard. It would be hard to look away well, yeah. if it was 30. It's why I used the 30 number. It could be 28. It could be 26. However, he wasn't thought in that conversation. So why I went with 30 is because if he's at 30 and they're number one in the West, Donovan Mitchell's in the finalist there. Go. Do you want to go through your dark horses before we uh, before we keep going? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I have three, so I wanted to kind of like let me let me take a second here and let you uh, unravel yours in case you have multiple. So one scenario on the dark horse side, uh, I think because I could, just couldn't include, not include him because he's that level of a talent, Damian Lillard. If nice. Portland improves, it's going to be on his back alone. It's going to be because he's put some we've never seen this before number up for the Portland Trailblazers. I think once again, Damian Lillard's going to come up short. I don't think he'll win MVP, but he's once again going to kind of like be right there. This may be the closest he ever gets. Uh, this year, I wouldn't be shocked if he does win it at the end of the year. If so, it comes out that he does, I wouldn't be shocked. I forgot Dame. I'll just be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I just I forgot Dame. I would also rather him win a win a championship than an MVP. He yeah, but the way he stuck it out, MVP absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying what I want deep down. So I'm not even going to entertain the fact that he's a dark horse because he's always going to be kind of. It's like I feel like he is was kind of understood, which is part of the reason I forgot him. There's no disrespect there. Other dark horse, I did think about Jimmy Butler with you. I think of Miami taking that jump, and uh, if Jimmy B's numbers like take that MVP level, I think he's looking at it right there. Uh, but it's not who I went with who I think will win it. Before we kind of go into, do you want to say who you think is going to win it first? Do you want me to go first? Can we? All right. Do you have an Eastern Conference player? E, what? Mine's complicated. Do you want to go first? Uh, do you want me to go first? Sure, sure. Mine's um, not probably what you're going to expect. Okay. Um, I love driving this up. <laughs> so I'm going to – when you think about MVP, you can't think who's the best player in the NBA. I already said Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. Kevin Durant's not going to play more than 50 games. So he's out of the conversation. All of the nets are out of the conversation. Like it's not going to be Harden. It's definitely not going to be Kyrie Irving. I look over at your Joel Embiid's. I don't think that he's going to have the health to play the whole season. I don't think he'll quite have the year he had last year. 
your your LeBron James, your Anthony Davis, it's out of the conversation. Russell Westbrook, I think we'll play the it's out of the conversation because they're not going to play those games. Like they're going to play 60. LeBron is at like 35 years old. He's not playing the 75 he needs to win MVP anymore. You're just like knocking guys off the list. And I'm I'm like I'm slowly knocking them off the, of the guys my head. that are gonna rest. Yeah. Uh Russell Westbrook, I think, will play enough games, but the production will be leveled off some there's not the mystique of russell westbrook getting the triple double anymore yeah unfortunately not he's done it five times so (laughs) so that leads me down to looking at guys who are going to put up the insane numbers and play like 75 games and i cheated with my pick because i can't figure out which of these two players is going to win mvp but it's going to be one of these two and they're going to be irreparably tied in their career to each other so i'm just going to go with them both Either Luka Doncic or Trey Young will win the MVP award in the NBA this season. It's going to be one of those two. They're going to put up wild scoring numbers, and they're going to carry their team on their back throughout the whole season. One of those will win it. I don't know which one, frankly, at this point. So this wouldn't be a podcast with me and me being your friend. I'm going to make you pick for the server, at least just <laughs> on the record. You have to say it, and here's why. I have Trey Young as the MVP, and I'm not thinking <laughs> twice about it. Trey Young's the MVP this coming year. Uh, that is wild. I did not think – I thought this was where we were going to be completely the most far apart from this. I, I, I'm dumbfounded because Luka is in that – it's always going to be in that conversation until the man retires. But Trey showed me so many things where I got to a point where I didn't like Trey Young 18 months ago. Like yeah, the villain indeed. thing and the this and the that and the I just I kept talking myself out of Trey Young and I could not figure it out. He and then took he proved a step himself to an entirely different level in the playoffs. He completely changed the way I view him and the way he plays as a teammate. And I think the two reasons where that boils down for me is that the Hawks are going to be just like firecrackers like just threes left and right Trey's going to continue to push the ball up I think there's a scenario where he averages 12 averages 12 assists a game it just that team is good and I think when you're the best player on one of the best teams and you're exciting and you kind of embrace this I kind of made the joke to you off recording last year with the villain thing with the Knicks People like coming into the Madison Square Garden and showing people up. He, he, Trey, literally not that long ago was on SmackDown when he, when they SmackDown versus Raw, whatever you know. I don't watch wrestling anymore, unfortunately, but he was in Madison Square Garden at a wrestling event and he was doing the thing. Like it was fun. He's embracing this character, and I think this character can win him MVP. I really do. Like I keep talking to myself into it every time. I kept going back. I did MVP last when I made mm-hmm. these like lists, and I kept going back to like why can't he win it. There's no reason why I can't. And I, and I couldn't come up with an answer. Absolutely. Yeah. So I cannot believe, I thought this was going to be this. Here's what I thought was going to happen with you. I thought you were going to drag it on. I like what you did there, though. You were like, two guys, it's going to be, I'm going to make you pick in just a second. I thought you were going to drag this. I thought you were going to drag it on this whole thing. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, it's going to be uh, this guy yeah, statistically and his team's going to, but it's going to be Nikola Jokic. I thought you were going to do that. I thought you were going to drag mm-hmm. it on for five minutes and be like, oh, but it's Jokic. I love Nikola, but I don't think it's uh, – he got his MVP, and it's about the Nuggets as a team now. So now, based on what you heard from me, seriously, realistically, who who do you think has a better chance of winning it? I think that's a better way to answer this question. No. Cause, I cause really maps, don't. I struggled with this for a while. I really don't. Luca has one second I think it's Trey, and then one second I think it's Luca. 
Here's uh, why I think it's Trey. Because frankly, Trey's on the better team. Trey yeah. right now looks like the better guy to do it. Luca, however, is on a he's team that he's going to have to put way more on his back, so his numbers will probably look better. You think in like the Jokic example last year, basically? Yeah, I would honestly love if it really comes down to that. These two, it's going to be. It, it it could be one of the more controversial MVP races we've seen if these two both have insane seasons because I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth on who's going to win it. Yeah, no, that's look. So if I'm again, saying for who I think the voters would be more likely to vote for, it's probably Luca. They have to finish top four. They have to finish yeah. top four. That's the difference for me. The Hawks can finish top three, like no doubt, if they're healthy. Can the Mavs do that? Yeah. I can't I can't <laughs> talk myself into a top three seed. No. No, sure. You just said top four, then you said top three. I was just using the Hawks as like, I think yeah. they're finishing top three if they beat people like they did last year. I have them obviously at four. That's not what my point is. I'm just saying if you look at how the how the people vote the people being the people that have the votes. Like, they can't not look at Luca and be like, this is the generational player that we want to give an MVP to really early. Trey could also be that, though. That's where it's like, okay, I see where you're going coming from, but I just well, no, can't talk myself into they tra- Like, their draft picks yeah. were traded for one another. I know, that started. And they both ended up being insanely good, and it's kind of this weird back and forth on who's the better player, and we may hit kind of a fever pitch as they both step up as – two of the biggest stars for the next 10 years in the NBA. Can't wait for the, when they play each other. Hopefully it's not that early in the season. Hopefully it's like, you know, 40 games in when they're both just, just destroying everybody. And they're like both averaging 35. We're like, what is happening? Um, yeah. Good luck to all the MVP candidates this year. It's going to be unreal. And I think they're quite, <laughs> there might be seven candidates by, you know, by game 30 or 40. I don't really know, but uh at the end of the day, knows, maybe Lamelo uh, will have twenty-three points and fifteen assists per game, and we'll just be talking about. <laughs> okay, I didn't come prepared for, with any questions, but gen- genuinely, what's more likely? I, I, you you kind of just brought this on yourself as we close out here. What's more likely this year? Lamelo averages twenty-four points per game, or he averages thirteen assists. Thirteen assists. Really? Wait, he's such a pass-first guy. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's why I was just letting, letting you talk me into it. I like it. And he's got a good number of guys to pass to in Charlotte. Yeah, this year especially. On. And frankly, when it came to scoring last year, it's something he's got to clean up. But, like, as a shooter, he was a catch-and-shoot. Uh, he can drive to the hoop, but he's not creating his own shot on the outside yet. All right. Um, as we close out here, Josh, I do want to ask this because I actually did have this written down. <laughs> 30-second elevator pitch while LaMelo Ball is an MVP candidate come no. the end of the regular season. Oh, no. come on. Come on. Not I don't yet, believe right? it myself. Not yet. The second Not year, yet. I think he takes – my biggest hope is he takes the Luka Doncic second-year leap um, and puts up stupid numbers, and the Hornets look really good. But All right. I'll ask you this in 365 days. I'll ask you it again. Yeah, ask me going into year three. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> they made it this far. Uh, don't forget, next week – uh, is our final preview. We did this, you know, this year just to kind of give you guys a, a nice chunk of content here with a month into the season, which now, by the way, we are only 15 days away as of recording this on Monday, October 4th. So unreal to think two weeks away from uh, the season. Just nuts. I, I still can't wrap my head around Rocky it. versus Brooklyn. I know. <laughs> it's going to be unreal. And then uh, just after that, I think the next day it'll be uh, 
Next day, Warriors, Lakers. Warriors first game of the year. Let's go. It'll be Warriors Lakers at some point in that first day or two. I don't know. Somewhere on there. First game of the year. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, college basketball preview coming up in the next couple of weeks here as well, because college basketball really starts kicking towards November, December. Um, yeah, they kind of they don't really out, hit but... the regular season until like second week in November. Yeah, so it, it will be in there somewhere, but the NBA is going to be our full-blown focus for about a month. Uh, next week is obviously fantasy basketball. Josh and I are in two leagues together. We'll preview that next week. Or we'll actually – it'll be actually be a recap, mind me. Recap, it'll, actually yeah. be a, it'll be actually be a recap of both drafts. So, Josh, anything else before we get out of here? No. All right. Close <laughs> us out. <laughs> this has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Trevor. And we will see you soon. Oh,